Well, the Ducks won again, but this might not be so good for active followers of Team Tank. Yeah, I'll talk about that on today's episode of Locked On Anaheim Ducks. Your Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jason J.D. Hernandez. I've been covering hockey for over a decade. Thanks for making this your first listen of the day. Oh, also, don't forget this podcast is free and available across all platforms, including Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast. We are free, ad-free, on Amazon. And also, hit the bell on YouTube, because why not? It's cool. All right. So we got to talk about this for a little bit today. After this episode, I'll be gone for the weekend. So, yeah. Just to peel back the curtain a little bit, I'm working a couple of Firebirds games this weekend. But also, I get to do something really cool that I'll talk about at the end of this episode. Oh, boy. That that was a fun win last night. And while it is satisfying to beat the Flames... It's always satisfying beating them, no matter what year it is, no matter who does it. I still think, for me, the most satisfying win against the Flames was a couple years ago, that Jamie Drysdale overtime game-winning goal. Actually, that was last year, but it was really more than a year ago. Jamie Drysdale, the overtime game-winning goal. That seems like such a long time ago, doesn't it? So long ago. But that was actually back in 2021. That's why I said a couple years ago, but it was last season. Uh, Those days are over. But we got a little taste of it last night. And did you notice that there were times that John Gibson was getting peppered once again? Yeah. I think I want to talk about just Team Tank first. Yeah. So there are 16 games left in the season and the Ducks are out of the wild card spot by a lot of points. In fact, as of this morning, the current standings, the Ducks have 53 points. They are 22 points back of Winnipeg. I know we haven't used this term yet, but it's getting down to it. So I'm going to have to use it. The elimination number. Yes, that time of year again. I hate I hate saying it. I hate doing this every season because I've done this every season. I've hosted Locked on Ducks. The elimination number is at 10. We're getting down to single digits. That means that any combination of 10 points lost by the Anaheim Ducks or 10 points gained by both the Winnipeg Jets and the Minnesota Wild, the Ducks would be eliminated from postseason contention. Now, I know you're also saying, well, mathematically, mathematically, the Ducks could still win the Western Conference. Yeah! No, they can't, because Vegas and LA have to play each other at some point. Both Vegas and the Kings have 84 points. The two points have to go to one of those teams. So, in fact, no, no. The Ducks cannot get first place in the West, but that's just semantic. Let me, you know, that doesn't matter. 
What matters is that the elimination number is at 10. Yeah, the Ducks are going to lose five games. They're going to lose some pretty bad ones pretty soon. So we shouldn't even be thinking about playoffs as far as the NHL. AHL, kind of a different story altogether, but I'll save that for next week when the goals might still be in it because, oh my god, they're actually winning games right now, but we'll save that for goals Thursday. Winnipeg is going to win five more games. Minnesota's, sorry, not Minnesota. It's Colorado, actually. My mistake. So already a correction just a few minutes in. It's Winnipeg and Colorado. Okay, Colorado's going to win five games. Winnipeg's going to win five games. Ducks aren't making the playoffs. They're not. So what does this do for Team Tank? They're three points up on both the Chicago Blackhawks and the San Jose Sharks. I met up with J.D. North this past or last weekend, uh, J.D. Young, who hosts Locked on Sharks. And one of the first things he said when he greeted me was, hey, we caught you. <laughs> I know he said that kind of jokingly, but it's kind of true. Like, yeah, yeah, we caught you. As far as losses go, because I happened to be at the Shark Tank earlier that day. And San Jose's putting the tank in Shark Tank right now because they got obliterated by the Washington Capitals earlier that day. Anaheim, for some reason, they're deciding, we're going to start winning some games. We're going to beat Montreal. We're going to beat up on Calgary. We're going to get a loser point against both Vancouver and Washington. In their five games so far this month, they've got six points. I want to see the Ducks succeed, but at the same time, I want to see them succeed for the long term, long term, i.e., I want to see the Ducks try to land Connor Bedard or Adam Fantilli. They keep getting points like this. That's not going to happen. It is absolutely not going to happen if they keep this up. Because they're three points up on Chicago and San Jose and six points up on the Columbus Blue Jackets. At least Columbus has games in hand, so they could always catch up to the Ducks in that regard. But is this good in the long run? Uh, No, it's not. The Ducks could wind up as low as the sixth pick, which wouldn't be all that bad. But when you have a generational-type talent and you have another talent that would go number one in many other years, you go for that. You go for those top two picks. Once you're mathematically out of it, you say, F it. F it. Let's go for that top pick. So mathematically, that's what the Ducks are. And I know I shouldn't condone tanking. But again, generational talent. While I have seen some Twitter users saying, well, would it be wise to get another center? Shouldn't we be drafting for position? No, 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 no. I'm going to say this flat out right now. You do not draft for position. You do not draft for quote unquote needs. You draft the best player out there. The best player. Several NHL teams have been burned by this in the past by going after someone that they think they needed in that position and winds up getting burned for it. The most infamous example of this 
is in the NBA. Some guy, some guy by the name of oh, what's his name, um, Michael Jordan. He wound up going third in that year's draft, 1984. Look it up, guys. The Houston Rockets got Hakeem Olajuwon. Yeah, that was a good a good pick because Hakeem at the time was the best player in that draft and for what it's worth he did lead the Rockets to two championships so that that pick was fine then the Portland Trailblazers had selection number two everybody knew that Michael Jordan was the second best player in that draft but because the Blazers already had Clyde Drexler they said we don't need someone else as a shooting guard no we need a center because we have no center so they drafted Sam Bowie the most infamous number two pick in NBA history, Sam Bowie winds up having a horrific career. Michael Jordan, easy pick three for the Bulls. And look what happened with the Bulls. They won six titles and Portland won zero after that. In fact, the Blazers, I think, have just the one title in 77. That's it. So that's the most infamous example of why you don't draft for need. Always pick the best player in the draft. If Connor Bedard is available at number one, you take Connor Bedard. If Fantilli is available at number two, you pick him with number two. You do not pick for need. How many times do I have to say that? All right, we're going to head into the first intermission. I'll talk a little bit about John Gibson, talk about the game itself. So we'll get to that on the other side. But first, I would like to welcome... Our newest sponsor to Locked On, that of course is FanDuel. We're excited about having FanDuel joining us now because they are the official online sportsbook of the NBA, of the NFL. And you know what? It's that time again, folks. March Madness, baby! Woo! Yeah, March Madness is here. And if you're a new customer, You get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And you can also get a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss out on the chance to get your no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. When you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the Locked On Podcast Network. And please gamble responsibly. Welcome back to the John Gibson Appreciation Hour. Which is part of Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're locked in with Jason J.D. Hernandez. So, about last night, John Gibson was on one again. And would you believe that it was someone elite that also scored? So, first, I gotta talk about John Gibson. Because he did set a record in last night's game. Where the Ducks allowed 37 shots. John Gibson got 36 saves in yesterday's 3-1 victory over the Calgary Flames. Which means that John Gibson now has the franchise record 
for most saves by a goaltender. Yep, that's right. He passed Guillebert. Guillebert had 11,813 saves. John Gibson only needed 13 saves. He got 36 saves. Whew, 36. Hmm, that's a lot of saves. That's more than he should get in any normal day, but that's just another day for John Gibson. 36 saves. He now has 11,837 saves and counting with the Anaheim Ducks. Which begged this question from Felix Ricard, and I actually thought about this too, but he beat me to the punch on this one. Do you think Gibby deserves his number up in the rafters? And I would say not yet, but he's getting there. John Gibson is on the trajectory to get his number retired in Anaheim. I think if John Gibson can get some more playoff games, if he can get even more wins, if he can keep up this level of play, then I would say absolutely, yes, 100%, John Gibson should have his number up in the rafters at the Ponda. And right now, John Gibson has kind of been on a tear for the last little bit. Once again, he was way above expected goals. The expected goals were 4.25 for Calgary, of course, to only 1.48. Yeah, the score should have been 4-1 to one in favor of Calgary. But John Gibson had a game score of three and a quarter. He was by far the best player for the Ducks yesterday. Right up there with Max Comtois and the Elite One C, Derek Grant. Yeah, but this is about John Gibson. John Gibson, over the last maybe month and a half, has been kind of on a tear. And we love to see this, folks. Remember when John Gibson was amongst the bottom tier of goalies as far as expected goals and game score? Well, right now, his expected or his average game score is above the negatives. He's at 0.07, so he did it. His expected goals against are 165, and he's allowed only 162 goals against. So John Gibson... I would say is slightly above average in that regard. But as I've mentioned several times, he has by far the highest expected goals against out of any goaltender in the league. He works the hardest out of any goaltender. And by the way, his expected goals against is 165. That's only over 45 games. The next highest are UC Soros, who's played 48 games, and Bennington, who's played 50 games. They're both in the 150s. So you tell me that John Gibson hasn't been stellar in net. I wouldn't say he's been stellar. He has the last month or so. But he has been quite good in net. And he is still that guy. Now, would I say he's an elite goalie right now? I wouldn't go that far saying he's an elite goalie. I think there are a couple other goalies that are really elite right now. Linus Olmark, he's elite right now. Connor Hellebuck, he's been elite. Winnipeg is looking pretty solid right now. Even though they have that last wildcard spot, 
they're still a pretty solid team. And I also got to give credits to Jake Ottinger. Jake Ottinger for the Dallas Stars has been very good. He's probably been the best goalie that no one's talking about right now for the Dallas Stars. Even though the Stars are first in their division, he's still not getting enough credit. But John Gibson, he has been very good. So we got to praise him there. Again, 36 saves last night. The Ducks just allowed a plethora of shots, especially for a period of, well, the first part of the first period and for a while in the second period where the Flames had, and I counted this, about six or seven shot attempts in like 30 seconds. Uh, poor Gibby. He was just, he, he was trying his best. And he succeeded there. Now, granted, he did allow that one power play goal. Look, that's a power play goal. We know the Ducks' PK is awful. We kind of saw that one coming. The Ducks left him out to dry on that power play. Aside from that, he's been good. He was very good. Max Contois, Brett Leeson. Brett Leeson scored in his hometown. Are you kidding me? And then the Elite 1C putting it away on the empty net with a couple seconds left. Woo! Yeah. I think it was 1.6 seconds left. But that was a solid game for the bottom six. Got to give them a lot of credit on this game. They stuck with the game plan. They got the goals when they needed to. So props to that. Also, I got to give props to some of the defense at times. And I'm going to give my props also to Scott Harrington, who had a whopping seven blocks in last night's game. Seven blocks by himself. You know what? That could be a decent little pickup for the Ducks. Harrington has been okay. I I liked him a lot. When he was up in San Jose, I always thought he was a fine player in the Sharks organization. And he's looked pretty good so far as an Anaheim Duck. So, got to give credit where credit is due. And that's pretty much last night's game, just in a nutshell. So, upcoming schedule... For the Anaheim Ducks. This is where it gets a little bit dicey here. The Ducks have a game against the National Predators. Tomorrow night, back at home. I will not be in Anaheim. I won't be watching that game live. Because of something I'm doing tomorrow night that I'm very excited about. I'll talk about that in a couple minutes. First, I just want to bring this up once again. With all those shots against John Gibson... In 66 games, I'm not going to do the graphic, but in 66 games, the Ducks have allowed 22,585 shots against. They're climbing the charts very fast. That's in 66 games. There are 16 games left. That means they only have... 495 shots against to break the all-time record in a single season. Only 495 over 16 games. That's an average of about 31, yeah, about 31 shots against per game to break that mark. 
They're already allowing 39.1 shots per game right now. So they're well on their way. Yeah. If you were to take their average right now, they would obliterate that record. They'd have 3,200 shots against. So they're going to hit that record more than likely. I think after the next game, I'll start putting the graphic up again. But it's not good, folks. They're going to hit that mark. As much as I hate to see it, it's probably going to happen. Ugh. Yeah. So upcoming schedule this week. They got an eight-game homestand coming up. Nashville on Sunday. The New York Islanders, who are fighting, clinging to a playoff spot, that's on Wednesday night. Friday night, they take on the Columbus Blue Jackets. That's St. Paddy's Day. Then the 19th, they take on the Vancouver Canucks. After that, they have Calgary again, Winnipeg, St. Louis, and the Colorado Avalanche to round out the eight-game homestand. I hate to say it, but the Ducks might wind up picking up a few points here and just getting themselves out of the Bedard sweepstakes. Yeah, that's likely going to happen. So I will not be watching or even listening to tomorrow night's game because, you know, something really cool I get to do tomorrow, and this is a bit personal, but I just thought I would share this. So as you know, I do the public address for the Coachella Valley Firebirds. And as a result of that, I have the pleasure and honor of getting to do public address for a championship game tomorrow night. This one I'm really excited about. And if you happen to be out in the Coachella Valley area, check it out. I get to do public address for the PWHPA championship game at Acrisure Arena in Palm Desert. So I am excited beyond words about that. That's going to be really fun. It's going to be really cool. I cannot wait. Phil Hewlett, who, as you know, does the public address for the Anaheim Ducks, he got to do it yesterday at Great Park Ice. That title game is going to be between Team Scotiabank and Team Harvey's, which means I probably get to watch Marie-Philippe Poulain just break our hearts once again. Me being an American citizen, I still remember that she broke the Americans' hearts in the Olympics because Marie-Philippe Poulain. Of course she does that. But got to give my shout-out to Phil Hewlett for doing a great job yesterday on the women's games last night. Uh, Phil... One of the best in the business. Obviously has done PA for the Ducks for a long time. So, yeah, I just had to give my props there. And I get to do that for the title game. Oh, I am very excited about that. Cannot wait to do that. All right. That's going to do it for this podcast. That's going to do it for this week. We'll be back on Monday for our next podcast. In the meantime, thank you so much for tuning in on YouTube. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, this podcast is free and available across all platforms, including Stitcher, Spotify, Odyssey, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. You can follow me on Twitter at StimpyJD. The show's Twitter is at LO underscore Ducks. You can drop me a line at LockedOnAnaheimDucks at gmail.com. I do answer those emails, by the way. And once again, 
Thank you all for your continued support. It is greatly appreciated, and I hope to see some of you out in Palm Desert this weekend. For Locked On Anaheim Ducks, I'm Jason J.D. Hernandez saying have a great weekend, folks. Please remember to be safe out there, be kind to one another, and Ducks fly together.